we were, where's, where's Kim at? Is she gone already? Is she, is she, is she, we, um, several of us were at a, it's really neat wedding, uh, great ceremony. Um, then the reception, beautiful venue, but, um, wow. The pastor at a modern day reception that can get, I'm like, what am I doing here? It feels like, no, can't leave you. I'm like, and uh, <laughs> Kim Sabatino looked at me and she goes, you know, I, I realize now I don't actually like music. I like worship. And <laughs> I said, yeah, isn't, yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, oh, Lord, I tell you. There's um, there's such darkness in the world celebration, and it's gotten worse. And we we never should worship uh, apologize for how we worship, and we're really not as energetic as I'd like for us to be, uh, even here. And uh, it's like it brings life. Our worship brings life. I listened to the music and yeah, God was exposed to more than what I wanted to be last night. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so I'm, I said, "Hey, I've got to preach tomorrow. Like, I got, I can get out of here." So <laughs> it's so wow. It's like it's just so 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 bad. It doesn't lead to anything. It leads to all of the things in their stuff that that brings death and destruction. It's like, wow, I do marriage counseling over exactly what this creates. So, you know, you're like, oh. So, enough said. Um, like I said, great ceremony, neat story. And um, in the ceremony, um, some of you know Nick, Nick and Kristen that come here, some, and uh, Kurt and Pam, of course, and... Um, Nick started seeing this girl that had a little, little, little tiny angel looking blonde haired, you know, baby. And so last night, yesterday at the reception, <laughs> she asked Nick if she, he would adopt her. Like, you know. So that was, that was pretty, pretty touching, pretty cool. Awesome. So I have been, um, on a journey here to um, stop running from the impossible. And um, where our prayers get very limited to what's possible. We believe it if it's possible, you know, uh, or we'll pray it if it's possible. If it's impossible, it's like uh, we're, you know, there's this checking out you do. And, um, I've realized that uh, in my journey that, Je that Jesus' disciples, you know, he said something that bothered them a lot. He said it's more, you know, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom. And it, they're like, it really threw them off. It's amazing how bad that threw them off. You'd think they'd be like, yeah, yeah we've given up everything to follow you, but it bothered them. He explains to them, and they're like, who can be saved? And he said... It's true. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. 
And if the storyline is chronological in, in the book of Luke, um, moving into Jericho after that situation with the rich young ruler, uh, there's a blind man at the gate that gets healed that the whole city would have known because that's where they park themselves to beg. And um, he gets healed. And then the story of Nicodemus that we know so well from Sunday school. Zacchaeus. I always get his name mixed up. And um, Jesus had made this statement about it's impossible for a rich man to be uh, to come into the kingdom. And then he demonstrates to his disciples, here, watch this. And a very wealthy man climbs up a tree just to see Jesus. And Jesus, like, prophetically picks him out of the tree. Probably the only guy up in the tree. Not Maybe not. I've been in big crowds where there's people up in the trees to see, you know. And... Uh, Points at him, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm coming to your house. I have an appointment to come to your house today to talk to you. Zacchaeus gives his life. The very thing the rich young ruler refused to do when Jesus said, here, do this, you'll be perfect, was he turns around and he's like, I'm going to give away half of what I have. I'm going to, anybody I've defrauded or done wrong to, I'm going to make it up to them. I'm, I'm, he was transformed. He was a different person. And we talked about the, tra- the testimony, the effect of the testimony of, <clears throat> of Zacchaeus, that the effect that it would have on the whole community. On his, he was the chief tax collector, so he had other little tax collectors underneath him. All of them would have been like, hey, boss, what happened to you? You know, <laughs> Like, hey, give that back. They're like, huh, what? It's like, no, we don't do business that way anymore. They, they would have all been impacted like, what happened to him? And so when he talked about Jesus, he had their attention, huh? And it would have, it would have transformed probably all of Jericho. I mean, who knows what the long-range effects are of one man supernaturally coming to know Jesus. And so what's impossible for us is possible with, with God. And so um, I... It, it's kind of hard to hide because half the time I can't turn my head. But um, <clears throat> for a couple of years, I've dealt with a, a lot of pain and super stiff neck and headaches that come from it. And um, <clears throat> finally got an x-ray. And the doctor ordered an x-ray. And uh, it's arthritis. And it's uh, whatever kind it is. And it's incurable. You can't fix it. That's what the doctor told me. It's like, and I was like, I got it. Yeah, sure. And uh, you can try this, try to manage pain. I've had steroid shots and all this stuff and come to the end of all that with great expectations. The uh, doctor doing the pain, the shots, the epidural shots, he says, I think this will take care of it. He says, it's not that bad. I think this will take care of it. I'm like, well, it hurts a lot to not be that bad. So I said, um, that's good. Let's, that's a great plan. Let's do that. So I went through all of those, and uh, wow, no, no difference, maybe worse. And um, meanwhile, I had to not stop running from, only stop running from the impossible. I had to come to this place, and I've been asking the Lord, how do I pray for this? Because there's not a quick magic prayer for it. Like, 
I got to get this. I, I got to know how to pray. People pray for healings uh, for me or whatever. A lot of people good, you know, pray for me. All those things are, are important and good. But I'm like, I, I, I didn't know how myself to pray for it. What do you call this thing, you know? Is there a demon on my neck? I mean, what is it, you know? I need a prayer that is the right, right prayer. <clears throat> I came to this. I'm sharing this with you because I would encourage all of you to do this with you. You've got to hear from the Lord. Like, so what's the source? You've got to understand what the real problem is. If you don't, you're just, you know, doing the Christianese thing that we do often with different situations. Hey, Adam, there's a ringing, a ringing in my ears. I think it's a sound system. Maybe not. Maybe it's just me. That's, that helps. Good, good. Thank you. And um, so I came to this. As I, after praying for a long time, keep asking the Lord, what, how do I pray? How do I pray? And uh, this is what I've done. I have identified arthritis or acknowledged that. Yep, I got it. So, so I curse the problem, right? Good, good idea. So that it stops, stop making this worse. I curse the arthritis. And then I pray, here we go, with the impossible prayer, because the doctor told me this, you can't cure that, you can't do anything with this. Can get surgery. This sounds like they take your head off and put it back on. Like, I, no, that's good. That's good. He's, they're all like, and we don't know. If you have a slip, a ruptured disc or something like that, they can go right into one spot, fix that. This is, you know, well, I had the chiropractor show me recently what it, what is it, what's it look like? What's it actually look like? He goes, oh, oh, you know, they've got samples and models of all kinds of things here. They bring out the arthritis neck, you know, like, like yeah, that's what I thought. Kind of an old crusty, you know, corrosion looking, whatever. Instead of smooth bones, it has, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of out of picture. And um, so, it helps me to just acknowledge this is impossible with man. So I'm going to pray something that's impossible for me, and, and I don't have to pretend like it's not. But with God, all things are possible. So I, I pray for reversal of the damage that happened to me from the arthritis, and I know that's the right prayer. So I pray that prayer, and I decree that my neck will be healed, and I, then I've been blessing my neck because most days it hurts bad enough that I want to do something else. And uh, do you realize how important it is if you have a knee that's bothering you or a hip or a whatever, a, you know, a body part, if it's hurting bad enough, blessing it is not what comes to mind. Complaining about it definitely is. Making ooh-ah sounds, you know, and I'm terrible about making noises and sounds. And uh, so I, I've been training myself to, to bless it. And every day that I bless it, I believe that there's, there are changes happening. And then people ask how your neck is. That's a, that's a really tricky question when you're trying to walk out healing, isn't it? Can we just talk about how awkward that is? You're trying to have a good confession. How's your neck? Hurts like crazy, you know, like I can see your neck's bothering you today. Oh, really? Can you tell? You know, so. <laughs> and all well-meaning. I'm not making fun of any of that. It's just real life. And I, and I finally had a statement the other day. I think Diane said, hey, I saw your, you know, I could see at church your neck was bothering you. And I, and I said, well, I said, I've cursed the arthritis and I've, 
prayed for healing, you know, and I'm blessing, blessing my neck. Said, and now I'm just waiting for my healing to catch up with my calling because I've got a lot of living to do. Yeah? And I stay focused on that. I still, because it, and I, I empathize now with people. You have these things and any, any, especially physical things, it just causes you to want to step back and stop trying and find a way to retreat and cope. And, and that's fine if that's your destiny, but it's not mine. I don't want to accept that destiny. That's not me. I don't want that to be my identity. The sad truth is sometimes it's hard for people to get healing because their sickness, their lameness, their blindness, their uh, crippledness has become who they are. And they wouldn't really know how to do life without that problem. And, you know, I, I actually, I get that. I understand that. It becomes your reason not to. Yeah? It's a scary world when someone takes the reason not to off of you. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We walk around saying, we're with God and he's with us. Yeah? So what's your excuse? Uh, just, I better find another one, you know? It's a funny thing. It happens, and if we don't talk about it, then we see other people doing well, like they're them and I'm me, you know. But we all have to go on a journey of finding our way and finding our way through faith. If we're going to call ourselves believers, then we must believe. And somehow we've got to change, and it's hard to change your everyday conversation, the way you talk and the way we refer to things. And it's so, it's so neat. Um, again, I'll refer, I often refer to Cindy Vincent when she's not here. She's like, she fell, broke her back, and, you know, fell straight down onto a cement floor in a garage. And bam, she's at the hospital at Beaver, and she looks at me with that horrible look on her face. She goes, I'm going to be okay, aren't I? And boy, at that, real, that moment, I realized how serious this where it was. I said the right thing, but wow, faith was lacking. And you come face to face with these moments where I believe, but help my unbelief. Like you're saying even the right words, and God bless our hearts for saying the right things. But to, to have that knowing, we've got to step up, we've got to raise our faith, we've got to come up to some things. And we've got to completely immerse ourselves and start talking like God talks and talking like the scriptures talk. We've made fun of people for doing that. Now we've got to be them. <laughs> yeah? You must overcome. You've got to, you've got to come to a place where, where, you, where you take authority, where you take charge and you stop getting pushed around. And letting life push you around. And it's never right to manipulate people, but it's always right to stand up and take charge. And, and to know what God is calling you to. To know what his promises are and to, to, to declare those. And let that be the conversation that fills your house. You know, 
that place where no one else besides your spouse and maybe your kids hear you? That place, that secret place, that place where you get away with murder, that place where it's okay to complain and okay to swear a little bit and okay to have a temper tantrum, and you know, that place. And to get to where, do you realize how much of our conversation is based around problems and even other people's problems? Problems that really aren't any of your business? You know, like we're down the road trying to figure out things and Jesus would be like, hello, like, what are you doing? Is that yours? <laughs> you actually know what's going on? No, no, I actually don't then just be quiet. You don't have to comment. Do you know that you do not have to have an opinion about things that really don't concern you? I release you from that. I know as Americans, we think we have to commentate on everything. You do not. You can plead the fifth. It's your legal right. Go, oh, I don't know. I'm not going to touch that. You're allowed to say that. You can say, God is work. I don't see it. But I don't need to see it because that doesn't really affect me. It doesn't pertain to me. And so we're consumed in our lives with, with this thing. I began to read this book that I have to highly recommend, Declarations for Breakthrough by Jane Hammond. And uh, I love the book because it's not hype. It's, it's, she really does research about words, word studies, and saying what words mean and giving good information. And it's, it's really ministering to me. And uh, so I, I, I was recently speaking on this a couple weeks. Boy, didn't I enjoyed Kobe last week? Our, you know, Bruce and Mary's uh, son-in-law, and uh, Bruce's son-in-law, especially. And so, wow, what a great story! A lot of people have talked to me, Bruce, about how good they just appreciated him talk, sharing his story. Jewish man that came to accept Jesus—that's a big deal. And uh, he told us that the. The Jews have a word for Jesus that is like, you don't say the word. You don't say his name. It means, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah, you, Bruce even knows the name. Yeah, it's like, oh, we don't talk, we don't talk about that. You know, it's like, you know, never mind. So I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Thinking it, but I'm not going to say that. That's how... That's how unapproachable they are. So when you see a true Jewish person come to know Jesus, it is a miracle. Amen. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a Jewish man to come to, to Yeshua, Jesus. However, Jesus is demonstrating that all the time right now. And when they become believers, it costs them. But wow, what a, it's such an amazing story. So we had that last, last week. It's on the podcast. We got that on, didn't we, Summer? And, um, and Dennis C. from the week before, which everybody's shared with me how much they appreciate Dennis's friendship. He runs a house of prayer in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. He's been a longtime friend. Okay, let me get locked into where I'm, where I'm going here was talking the last time I shared about how we're always telling people to pray for them, right? So what's that look like? And the scripture says Jesus intercedes for us. So we have that picture. 
But when you say you're going to pray for someone, actually, what do you say? What do you pray? And so that contract, no, no condemnation in this, but that in the backdrop with how Jesus actually dealt, dealt with it. And you don't see him praying for people the way we pray for them. Like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. And, and there is, he makes intercession for us. Of course, he's in an amazing position with the Father to do that. Yeah, so very grateful he's up. He's he's there at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. But when it came to praying for people that were sick and need healed, he moved to this realm that we need to get to and be better at. He would decree it and declare it. He would call it. He would command it. That's we'll come and pray for people for long periods of time. But to just, you know, have people come up for prayer, identify what's wrong, pray for a little while till you know what Jesus is saying, and then go, be healed. That's your prayer. Stretch out your hand, be made whole. Rise up, take up your bed, walk. Lazarus, come forth. That was a prayer. All the, you know... The sisters, man, you don't want to miss with sisters when their brother just died. You're late, like even Jesus got railed on over that. Right? Got chewed out. You ever show up at something, you get chewed out, you're like, I didn't do anything. You're late. <laughs> he, this guy, listen, man, this guy really had wisdom. Jesus really, he knew what to do when he's in that situation. He just started crying with them. I'm going to try that the next time. I'm getting, I just, you know, just switch over, sit beside my wife, and like, oh, it's terrible what that husband of yours did. Bad husband. No, I didn't. I'm just making a joke. When it came time for action, Jesus stands at the grave. He doesn't pray for Lazarus. He's like, Lazarus, come forth. He calls him forth. What we are hesitant to accept is that is the example that he calls us to, that he wants us to walk in. Come to that place in his name where we take charge and take authority. We're like, I'm not there yet. I've only experienced this once, maybe twice. Once specifically, I had a friend of mine, this was years and years ago, early, when we were earlier married, so it was like early 80s, so we married in 80. I went to a friend, his wife, his young wife had killed, like car accident maybe, something like that. We went to the funeral in Minerva and we were going through the calling line. I didn't know the girl very well. I just was like, a, he was a childhood friend. And I go up to the coffin. This totally took me by surprise. And I get to the coffin, and man, it's like something. I almost reached out to touch her like something was moving. And I'm like, oh, what, what is that? I mean, it, it really took me back. I didn't have a, probably didn't have a physical thing. I'm like, whoa. Like, you don't touch, touch dead people. Like, you know, not, I don't, you know, not normally. And I walked away going, Lord, what was that? And um, I just think there were early indications. Someday, Rick, someday you're going to be ready to do that, move on that. 
I think often the Spirit moves on us. We're not there, but He's like, someday you will. Someday you'll walk on water. Someday you'll reach out and heal the sick. Someday you'll be there. And so he works and waits on us. We go through our stuff and we're kicking the stones and we're angry and we're frustrated and we're betrayed. We're all those things. And Jesus is just going, someday you're going to overcome. Someday you're going to be above all of this and you'll start doing what your real calling is. And calling things, come, call, calling them to come forth. We'll speak to the storm instead of freaking out about it and looking at the weather app. We'll be like, peace be still. Yeah. Look at that tornado that seems to be coming and just stand there and stare down. Do you understand? You probably have that in you. have the dynamic inside of you right now. It's all about realizing you do. It's all about not who you are, but what's in you. It's about that. Because we're always looking at our, man, some of the hard, best prayers, hardest prayers or best prayers are when my feelings are all out of whack and my one-two is not there at all, but I still anyways press through, Lord, I got nothing to be who I think you want me to be right now but help me, and I get answers. All of a sudden, I find myself able to face something, able to move forward, able to do something that I couldn't do before. And so it's not about me. It's not about, it's about what's in me. In Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, let me go through that story quick. I can't remember if I actually went, but it's an example of this. This kind of messes you up for reading your Bible. <clears throat> we think we've achieved something when we read the Bible and read about Jesus and then when you realize you're reading about who you're supposed to be, then that's like, oh, 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 oh wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Peter and John went to the temple for three, the three o'clock prayer as they came to the entrance. This is chapter three of Acts in the Passion Translation. They came to the, the beautiful gate. They were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth, being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money from those going in to worship. When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. Almost, they hand, you know, if you've seen this, if you've been anywhere, you see that hand come out like there's a, and they do this. Peter and John, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, said, Look at us. Expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. Then Peter said, I don't have money, but I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, again, I'm going to pray for you. Stand up and walk. Not the we'd be like, could I pray for you? Like it's it's fine if you do that. It's it's good. It's it's a good step. It's a big step. But there's then there's this thing that's beyond that where you go, hey, do you mind if I interrupt your life? I'm going to experiment on you. Is that okay? You should just be honest and let, and they may say, get away from me, you crazy person. 
and you're looking at a crippled leg that broke. I mean, we need to get this boldness. If it hits, the spirit comes on us. Like, when that comes, you get, you know, like drunk people. I saw some getting drunk people yesterday at this, you know, at this uh, wedding. And all of a sudden, they danced real crazy before they were kind of like sitting politely and whatever. Then you can see the change starting. I'm like, time to go, honey. Let's move, you know. I see the door. It's got my name on it. Let's go. And the spirit will come. It does bring us into this unction that comes up in us, and we can do what yesterday we didn't think we could. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man as he pulled the man to his feet. Suddenly, power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. Pay attention. So he makes this declaration over him to be healed. But nothing happens yet. Are you okay with that? We're usually not. We want instant potatoes. We want that shazam, you know? At the word of my, you know. We're often looking for that. We pray for people. I've done it a thousand times myself, you know. I want to impart something to someone. I want, and, I, and I'm expecting an explosion. Every once in a blue moon you get that, but often not. But pray the prayer of faith and walk out the door and see what happens behind you. Like, it's got to be to that point. Stop looking at how you feel. Stop looking at what it looks like. Stop even looking at what actually happened to the person. And here, they reach out their hand. There's this movement, this gesture. And when they did, he pulled the man to his feet. Suddenly, power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment, stunned, and then began to walk around. As he went into the temple courts with Peter and John, he leapt for joy and shouted praises to God, broke protocol in the temple. Just point that out. When all the people saw him jumping up and down and heard him glorifying God, they realized it was the crippled beggar they had passed by in front of the beautiful gate. Astonishment swept over the crowd for they were amazed over what had happened. So, wow. When it happens, it happens. Don't need advertisement. It advertises itself. Jesus has been here. Something's happened. An amazing thing has happened. And so they give this command. They, they don't ask permission. They, they give a command. And they're not even so much asking God if he can, like, I think we should, getting to this, like, pray for direction. That's the praying that you need to do. Pray for, Lord, how do you want me to pray? How do you want me to minister to this person? Pray, ask. Pray and wait and listen. And when you know, move. And if you know right away, move right away. It just changes. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to read a little bit from Jane. Jane. Ephesians. <clears throat> We're going to look. She does a word study. 
I have actually the big book um, that has this in it. <clears throat> but um, she summarizes here in her, in her book. And it's the Greek word endunomal, which dunamis or dunam is, is power. And there are different variations in, in word studies of that. So it's about power. Power being in us. It's the force. It's of the Holy Spirit being in us. A few weeks later, I was praying in the Spirit. And honestly, this is Jane, was in a frustrating place in my life. Now, again, this is relevant because here she is a minister and she has very common, her life sounds a lot like yours this week. But she overcomes. She's like having one of those weeks where, she, well, she explains it. I'd been dealing with cycles of health issues. Just when I thought it was over everything, I would get sick again. I hear this a lot lately. Like, sick, then I'm sick again. I get better, I'm sick again. Okay. It was not a serious sickness, but it left me exhausted and weak. My travel schedule allowed me no spots where I could stay home to get caught up on rest. And that morning when I woke up, I was unwell again. Yeah, got it. Got the memo. As I prayed in the Spirit, I heard the Lord say to me over and over, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Ephesians 6.10 It's a very power-packed, force-filled scripture. It brought life and strength to me that day and for weeks to come. The word power in this verse, in the Greek, the word kratos, which also means force, strength, power, and dominion. The word might in the in the word, uh, I can't pronounce this, iscus, I-S-C-H-U-S, also mean force, forcefulness, and strength. But the full revelation and impartation came to me when I studied the word strong from Rick Renner in his book, Sparkling Gems from the Greek, says this about endunamis. Could you use some extra strength today? This is what Rick Renner's writing in his book, and it's written out in short chapters. Like there's, It's a big, thick book. And he studies the Greek and tells stories and question, asks questions about, you know, different, addresses different issues. I want to draw your attention to the word strong. In Ephesians 6.10, it is the Greek word endunamal, a compound of the words en, E-N, and dunamis. The word N means in. The word dunamis means explosive strength, ability, and power. It's where we get the word dynamite. Thus, this word and dunamal presents the picture of an explosive power that is being deposited into some type of container, vessel, or other form of receptacle. The very nature of this word and dunamal means that they're necessary. Uh-oh, I'm having trouble with this one. Necessity, necessarily, I can't say it. Must be some type of receiver for his power. It's even English and I can't say it. For this power to be deposited into. This is where we come into the picture. We are specially designed by God to be the receptacles of divine power. Pause. Let that soak in. 
You're designed to be a, receptip- a receptacle of God's power. You're designed for that. Like, um, I have gasoline containers at my house. They are red. I have diesel fuel containers at my house. It is yellow. There are kerosene containers. Those are blue to indicate the different thing. They're containers for specific fuels and gas, right? And, and so on. I have a white, round you know, metal container that's propane gas. I found out you're not allowed to paint those black, but I did. Now they were like, I'm not going to fill that. It's not the right color. All right. Cause color, those codes are important. You are designed to be a receptacle of God's power. You, whoever you are, you are, you're to be, you are designed for this. Now I lost my place here. Paul tells us to be strong in the Lord. He is essentially saying, receive a supernatural, strengthening, internal deposit of power into your inner man. God is the giver, and we are the receptacles into which the power is to be deposited. Paul knew you, and I knew you and I would be desperately Need in need would desperately need supernatural power in order to successfully combat the attacks of the enemy that would bring that would come against us, that the enemy would bring against us. And it's so true. And for our job description in general, we need that power. Never designed to go in in without that, to have that. That's that's the fire on your tongue. That's the knowing. You know when that falls on you, just all of a sudden you can just start going after something. And beforehand you're like, oh, I don't know, and maybe this. And you throw in some of your opinion and your compassion and whatever, and you know, you're down the road. But what a difference when you perceive what the Lord's saying. All of a sudden you're like the hound dog that's got the scent. You know, and you 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 actually target something. I mean, it's a it's a neat thing. You want when you when that comes, you're like, oh, I know what's I know exactly what's here, and we're we're designed for that. It's like your cars are all sitting outside, nice and quiet. I think, right? Gas in the tank, motor under the hood, powerful, not powerful. You know. But it's perfectly still until what? Till you go out, put the key in, and ignite it. For you and I, that key that turns on the power, that turns it, lights it up, is your ability to pray in the Spirit. When you pray in the Spirit, like when you praise, when you activate that spiritual part of you, the power comes on. We need to do that a whole lot more. And when you're feeling weak and you don't know, spend time just praying in the Spirit. Spend time worshiping, praising, giving thanks. Until that, the darkness is just there. You're just stuck, just sitting powerless but this moving into the spirit and, the, and there are different ways of course but especially praying in the spirit 
It, it activates that and your, your life becomes, it's a dynamo, it begins to generate energy. All because of what you're designed to contain and what the Lord has filled you with, whether you feel it, feel it or not. Your cars out there, if they had no gas in the tank and no engine under the hood, it, and, and everything, it would still look the same, yeah? I mean, just by looking at it, I can't tell if it's empty, if it's ready to go, if it's not. But you are filled. It just doesn't necessarily look like it or feel like it sometimes. And don't believe that lie. Realize you have what you need. Let the Spirit fill you. You've received Him. You've received His Spirit. Now believe that that's there. And often an action, a moment of need, a situation, and all of a sudden, it's there for you. It gets activated. It's in you. You're a container walking around, ready to do what you were designed to do. Amen. Our words, wow, our words, our faith, changing some things. I think we're on the verge. We're getting wisdom. We're understanding things. We're going to see things move and things happen. We're tapped into the right thing. Doing the right things, even if you suffer for it. Don't grow weary in that. If you know you're doing what you have a conscience before God to be doing, then do it with all your heart. Stay put. Don't get anxious. Don't let guilt dominate your life. Don't let this sense of condemnation. It starts getting you to move out of your place. Like, stay still. Let the Lord deal with you. Let him convict you. If you're not getting conviction, then just keep on. Trust me. When I'm out of line, he comes and finds me. I don't have to look that hard. I'm just like, it's just there. Mm, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'll do it. You know? All right, all right. What is that? That's, that's a father that's watching out for me and watching over me. He doesn't just let me go wrong, wrong way. It's like, oh, yeah, whatever. He may walk off the cliff. It's, boys will be boys, you know? But instead, he pursues me, redirects and guides and puts a block in my place. And if I'm being super stubborn, I ignore that, walk around it, keep going. But he, he's, he's very faithful to keep pulling me back in, redirecting me, redirecting me to bring me back to where I'm in peace, where I'm in power. Let's pray. Commit this to the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, all your promises are yes and amen. Give us the courage by your Holy Spirit to step out, just at least that, to step out, to pray for some impossible things, to stop waiting till we have all the answers, and to just face things and go, this is impossible, but I'm going to pray for this anyways. To get out of our American analogies and deciding what can be done and what can't be done. Most supernatural things have defied science and defied logic. And we are so full of, as Americans of all of our logic and reasoning. 
Set us free from all this so that we can see what you're saying, hear what you're doing, that we can watch. We have eyes, eyes to see, ears to listen. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Before we go, is there anybody that needs prayer, would like prayer? If you do, just please. It's on. Boy, I just feel trembling. I feel weakness. And I don't think it's a health problem. I think it's just the presence of God in this place. Just keeping with the theme that I believe the Lord's dwelling on today uh, through Mary, just sharing what is the word of the Lord and the scripture that Phyllis read. I'm going to read John 7, 37 through 39. Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, actually it was a day of atonement, Jesus stood up and shouted out to the crowd, all you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst forth from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. In verse 39, Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit that believers were being prepared to receive. But the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out upon them because Jesus had not yet been revealed in his full splendor. There's just so much here, definitely enough for a long exhortation, but I'll spare you. There's, here is Jesus for a, you know, he delayed coming, you know, to the Feast of Tabernacles uh, for a very long time, showing up in Jerusalem. You know, he shows up late, and on the Day of Atonement, that most holy day, the day of celebration, of Jewish celebration, a day of repentance from sin, the reading of prayers, and, and repentance and fasting, that even today the Jews fast for 24 hours and are not even supposed to drink water. And Jesus shouts about coming to him for water. Come, those who are thirsty, come to me for a drink. So as for the past week celebrating Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church, let's contemplate that Jesus announced that outpouring on the most holy day a day of repentance and renewal. How beautiful this celebration of communion and the forgiveness of sins made way for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit 50 days later, when their hearts were in the upper room, had settled all disputes, the realization that Jesus had taken care of it all and that they could cast their divisions and their jealousies and their bitterness and their failures on Jesus. When they were all in one accord, Jesus sent the Christ in us, the hope of glory. So let's celebrate as we take communion. 
the sacrifice that brought life and freedom and power and forgiveness and gifts and living water to quench our thirst. Amen.